Phillies Nation! Welcome to the Phillies Nation podcast, episode number 43. I am Tim Malcolm, the host of the podcast, also the editorial director of philliesnation.com, where you can go today for your Phillies news, rumors, information, opinion, much more. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash philliesnation, Twitter at philliesnation, Instagram at philliesnation underscore. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a good review. Subscribe to our podcast. The reviews and ratings help us build listeners. So please go at it today. You can also find our sister podcast, Playing the Rube, when you go to the Phillies Nation podcast on Apple Podcasts, in which Dan and I, Dan Walsh and I, take control of the Phillies and Out of the Park Baseball 2018 but we're playing as the 2009 Phillies, so you should check that out. It's really fun. As for the 2018 Phillies, we're back to where we were at the first week of the year, kind of frustrated with how the Phillies have played. I think all of us were kind of frustrated. More than anything, I wanted the Phillies to beat the Braves. I, You know, I'm. we've seen the Braves now nine times this season. Nine times as... Ferris Bueller's principal would say. And the Braves are, look, there are a lot of pieces in the last couple days today that say that the Braves are a better team than the Phillies. Whatever you want to say about that, they have the same record right now. I'll say that the Braves are not a good matchup for the Phillies. And it's hard to say that about baseball, right? You could say you're not a good matchup in football. You could say that in basketball, hockey. Baseball is harder to say that in because there's so many variables in baseball. And so many variables, but at the same time, one guy can sort of be the entire team for a game. So anything can happen. And that said, the Braves are still a tough match for the Phillies. The Braves are building in a slightly different way than the Phillies are. And what you saw this weekend and in the first two series of the year against the Braves, the Phillies now 3-6 and six against Atlanta after seeing them nine times already, nine times in the first month. You're seeing how differently they're built and how it suits a team like the Braves right now. Next year could be a different story, and we'll talk about that in a second. But certainly in this first month of the year, the matchup was not good for the Phils. They had the same pitching matchups every time. Aaron Nola against Julio Tehran, Nick Pavetta against Mike Fulton-Nevich, and then in Game 3, Vince Velasquez against Brandon McCarthy. And what you saw was Aaron Nola pitched well, for the most part, in this, in this entire time against the Braves. But the offense not doing enough some of the times. The offense just doing enough one of the times. And having some trouble with Julio Tehran a little bit. But getting to him at some point. Because Tehran is not savvy enough, I think, to beat a Phillies team that strikes out a lot. But then you saw veteran pitchers. You know, Mike fulton has been around a little bit. And is a decent pitcher. But he has the kind of arsenal that is going to fool the Phillies. And then you have Brandon McCarthy, who is a veteran. Really, really savvy pitcher. One of the smartest pitchers you'll find. Just have his way with the Phillies because he knows how to pitch against teams that are young and impressionable and trying to strike out or trying to get hits and then they strike out instead. So the Braves pitching was set up perfectly for them. 
The Phillies countered with Nick Pavetta and Vince Velasquez on the back end. Pavetta's been a good story to start the season. But he's had some trouble with the long ball against the Braves. They've been able to figure him out a little bit. They had the book on him. Even still, Pavetta's pitched decent against them. Velasquez, different story. Velasquez, I think, is starting to come down to earth. We'll talk about him as well. But the Braves had a good game plan for the Phillies. And their lineup was set up to beat pitchers like Pavetta and Velasquez. While their pitchers, in the back ends of these series, they have veterans who know how to take advantage of a young lineup that's attacking and aggressive. And that's going to help the Phillies at a point. Right now, it is not helping the Phillies. We talked just last week and the week before that about how the Phillies were becoming this really great patient team that was hitting fly balls. The fly ball rate has actually dropped quite a bit. It was around 40%. In fact, it was over 40% two weeks ago, small samples. Now the fly ball rate is 37.5%, which is 10th in the major leagues. It was They were first and second in the major leagues just two weeks ago. Now they're 10th. The ground ball rate has gone up 43.4% of the time they're hitting ground balls, and that is 13th in the league. The problem, though, with the Phillies and what they're hitting is that they're not actually hitting a lot. They're striking out a ton. The Phillies have the second highest strikeout rate in all of baseball. Only the Padres have a larger one. 26.7% of the time they're striking out. That's that's really big. You think about, you know, players who strike out 26.7% of the time. You're talking about a big-time power hitter who, you know, someone who strikes out like a Joey Gallo type almost. So the Phillies certainly striking out a ton, but they're walking a ton, 11.6%. That is first in the majors. They've kept that up all year. They are the most walk team in baseball, but they also strike out a ton. So they stay at the plate a lot. They don't hit the ball into the field a lot. There's not a lot of batted ball with the Phillies. The problem is, especially against the Braves, we saw this, and against the Diamondbacks, who they went one and two against, the balls they hit were ground balls for double plays. They were facing some savvy veteran pitching in this last week. Pitching that knew how to take advantage of these young hitters. Throwing down in the zone a lot more. Going outside. The Phillies chase a lot of pitches. And when they do, they don't hit them. Currently, the Phillies have a 54.2% contact rate when the ball's out of the strike zone. That is dead last in baseball. Who has the top? outside of the strike zone contact rate in baseball, 69.3%, the Atlanta Braves. Now here's the difference between the Braves and the Phillies and why you saw what you saw over the weekend. The three hitters on the Braves who have the highest rating of contact outside the strike zone, Ender and Ciarte, Nick Markakis, Ryan Flaherty. The Braves have put a premium on on guys who put the ball in play and basically get their bat out in front of things. Inciarte is known as a tough guy to strike out. He will get his bat on the ball and put it in the field. Nick Markakis is one of the best eyes in baseball. He gets a lot of hits. He's, he's, he's got over 2,000 hits in his career. It's surprising how he's just sort of quietly had this very good career, but that's what Markakis does. He just gets a lot of hits. And Ryan Flaherty, same thing as in Ciarte, but on a lighter level, he just gets the bat on the ball. And Flaherty's had this really good start to the year. 
Now, you take the Phillies out of the equation, and he doesn't have a good start to the year. But against the Phillies, he has absolutely torched them. And maybe there's a little bit of fire under him because the Phillies cut him in spring training. I don't know. Nonetheless, the Braves are able to get their bat on the ball. And we saw a lot of bloops. We saw a lot of tough hits that turn into Braves players being on base. And then what happens? You get a guy like Ozzie Albies. You get a guy like Ronald Acuna. And you get a guy like Freddie Freeman. And suddenly you have a three-run double or a three-run homer or a two-run double or something like that. And the Braves are out to the lead and they're off to the races. The difference between the Phillies and the Braves is this. The Braves have guys who get on base through contact. The Phillies have guys who get on base through the walk. But the Braves have enough talent at the superstar level to get those guys home on a consistent basis. Whereas the Phillies aren't there yet. Currently, if you look up and down the Phillies lineup, the only guy I am absolutely confident in to get the big hit is Reese Hoskins. And he's been struggling a little bit lately. I also have some confidence in Odubel Herrera because he's having a hot start and he's he's proven to be a good player. But Odubel is not a power threat. He's got power, but he's not a threat in that regard. He's more of a contact guy. Cesar Hernandez, same thing, contact guy. He's not a power threat. The Phillies only have one real power threat consistently in this lineup. The Braves have three right in the middle of that lineup. And look, two of those guys are extremely young and new to baseball. And that is the way the Braves build it. The Braves built for high risk, high reward at the very top. They got those international signings and they paid big money for them. We all know what happened with uh, their their pass and John Coppolella and you know how they clearly went around the rules and they paid for that. But Ronald Acuna was not part of that. Ozzie Albies was not part of that. They did lose many players. Kevin Maiton was one of them because of that. But that's been the Braves' MO is let's go for the biggest value, biggest money player available. They did a little too much of that a couple years ago. But before that, they got Acuna and they got Albies. And Acuna and Albies are terrific, terrific, terrific talents. These guys are going to torch the Phillies for the next 10 seasons. Get ready because it's going to be a long, long time watching these guys play well against the Phillies. I look at Acuna and I see Vladimir Guerrero in a lot of ways. Guerrero was gifted at just finding the ball in every way possible with his bat. But Acuna has that same ability to just get the big hit and drive the ball whenever possible. He is electric. And Ozzie Albies is just a hit machine. The guy can get the ball through the field, and he runs hard, and he's fast, and he is aggressive, and he's athletic. These guys are terrific players, and they are going to be haunting the Phillies for years. But that's how they built. The Braves don't have humongous depth behind those guys, at least below the age of 25 and over the age of 18. Or over the age of 21, let's say. If you look at the Braves' major league depth, they're throwing Marcakis and Enciarte and Ryan Flaherty out there because they don't have guys who are 23 years old who are playing every day at those positions. Kurt Suzuki's having a terrific year, but Kurt Suzuki's an old catcher. The Phillies have gone with a 24-year-old catcher, 25-year-old catcher, in Jorge Alfaro, who is going to have to take some time to build up and develop adjust at the major league level. The only other real position player that the Braves have who's under the age of 25 and supposed to be a long-term piece there is Dansby Swanson. And Swanson hasn't been great for them yet. 
the Phillies have way more depth than the Braves do as far as talent on the offensive end at the major league level. At least young talent, I should say. Nick Williams, even Aaron Altair is younger, quote-unquote. Odubel's still pretty young. Hoskins, obviously. Kingery. Crawford. Franco's even still young. Alfaro. Andrew Knapp is young. The Phillies have nine guys, nine guys, who are under the age of 27 and getting regular time. And these guys aren't developed enough. And they haven't seen enough Major League Pitching. And Major League Pitchers are going to have their way with them. So you're going to see the strikeouts go up. But the Phillies' MO is also to be aggressive. So those strikeouts are going to be there. Just as the walks are going to be there. And what the Phillies are betting on, and we talked about this last week, the Phillies are betting on at some point this year for the big hits to start coming. These guys are going to have enough seasoning. These guys are going to have enough looks. They're going to be able to get their bat on the ball, and the weather's going to be warmer, and it's going to carry more, and you'll see three-run homers. The Phillies are essentially playing Earl Weaver-style, early 70s Baltimore Orioles baseball. Get guys on base via the walk or whatever you have to do, and then get the three-run home run to win it. And that worked for the Phillies. If you look in the Pirates series, if you look in the Rays series, even the Red series, they would get guys on base at a certain point and they would get the big hit and get guys home. That's how you do it. It didn't happen in the Diamondback series. It didn't happen in the Brave series. It happened on Friday in the Brave series. But otherwise, it hasn't really happened for them in the last week. That's going to happen. Guys are going to get cold, especially young players. They're going to be baffled quickly. And you're going to see these sorts of slumps. And it's going to be frustrating and it's going to suck. And the only thing that you hope is that the pitching can hold up their end and you can find a way to win a game late. It didn't happen this week, especially against the Braves. Nick Pavetta, and to a greater extent, Vince Velasquez, could not hang in these games. The Diamondbacks, I mean, Ben Lively was absolutely atrocious in his last start. Jake Arrieta had some trouble, but the Phillies were able to wiggle through around that. It's going to be tough for the Phillies. And this coming week, you're going to see a different sort of challenge because now you're going to play lesser competition again, the Marlins. But they're going to have some pitching issues to work with now. Zach Eflin is going to get the start as the Phillies start a series against the Marlins. I think Eflin is starting on Tuesday's game, I believe. I think Arietta goes on Monday. Eflin is in because Ben Lively, after his start where he was shelled by the Diamondbacks, is now on the 10-day DL. He had a back injury. And so now you're going to see Zach Eflin, who has been fine in Lehigh Valley so far, but can he prove himself at the major league level? That's still the question with Eflin. It's kind of the same sort of issue that we have with Lively. There could be a good pitcher there, but probably we're looking at a back-end rotation guy at best. So we hope that he could be at least that against a bad Marlins team. They could take advantage of this series. They're playing in Miami. The pressure will be off them to do it at home. So maybe they can get a couple wins here and beat the Marlins. Then they have the Nationals who've played bad baseball this year. Bad for them. They've been hurt a ton. Adam Eaton got off to a sizzling start, and now he's hurt. A number of other players have been hurt. Hopefully the Phillies can take advantage of them. They might have trouble if they have to face really good pitching in that series. But it's possible they can steal two games off the Nationals. And then we're looking at a you know a, a week like 5-1 and one or 4-2, and two, and then, okay, things are okay again. But that's what you got to do if you're the Phillies, especially early on in the season. We talked about how 
April and, and May and early May especially were going to be times when the Phillies would have to win games because the competition gets a lot tougher in June. You're playing the Dodgers, who are struggling, but they're still the Dodgers. You're going to play the Nationals. You're going to play the Mets. You're going to play the Yankees. You're going to play the Brewers. Good teams, the Cardinals. So the Phillies have to take advantage of the week schedule now. And they've done that so far through 27 games, being 16 and 11, or is it 28 games, 17 and 11? Uh, that is a good start to the year. They've played better than we've expected, and that's good. But now you have to double down. You got to beat the Marlins. You got to be challenging against the Nationals and try to steal some games. Maybe the Braves are the team that will just beat us, beat the Phillies this year, and maybe the Nationals are the team that the Phillies beat. We'll see. But nonetheless, a tough matchup for the Phillies. The Braves are a really tough matchup. They left a lot of guys on base in the series. 0 for 5 uh, runners in scoring position on Saturday. 2 for 11 on Sunday. Those aren't going to cut it. The strikeouts, 11 of them on Saturday, 13 of them on Sunday. Again, the Phillies are going to live and die by the strikeout. They hope that the big hit's going to come. It didn't come in those games against the Braves. But the Braves are done for now. They're a good team. They're going to struggle too because they're a team that they're not going to match up with either. And look, I would have loved to get a lesser starter against the Braves in any of these games. It didn't happen. It could have been a different story if we saw a fourth starter or a fifth starter. The Phillies right now, they didn't get to put Jake Arrieta out there against the Braves. You know, that's that's kind of unfair, but that's the way it is. So hopefully next time they face the Braves, it'll be a different story. We'll see. But nonetheless, tough matchup for them. I'm not too worried. It's frustrating for sure. But at the end of the day, they're still playing decent baseball this year. And they are who they are. 500 team, that's about right. They're about a 500 team. They're starting out hot. It's going to get worse at some point. But hang with it and you'll start to see things sort of coalesce. And you'll start to see things trend in the right direction toward the end of the year. That's the hope for this team. Along with the Ben Lively injury, the Phillies also suffered another injury this weekend. J.P. Crawford has a strained forearm and will be out for about two weeks. He was placed on the 10-day disabled list. Jesmiel Valentin was called up and he got his first Major League action on Sunday. He struck out, of course. The Crawford injury has got some people on Twitter talking about, you know, he, it's, it's good that he's gone, uh, he should stay in Lehigh Valley, etc., etc., let me put this to rest. I am a J.P. Crawford fan. I have said this from the jump. I've always believed in J.P. Crawford, and I will believe in J.P. Crawford for quite a while. I think he's a pretty good player. And you can't look at his batting average as indicator of his success or his failure. Crawford is known as someone with good plate discipline. He's known as a good fielder. He is known as someone who has good base running skills. He also does have more power than a guy with sort of light contact out of the shortstop position would have. He is a very talented athletic player who is still pretty young and is new to the majors. And I attribute a lot of this early season jitter, early season tough hitting, whatever you want to call it, to being young and being in the majors for the first time for real. He has only been in the majors for about 43 games at this point, so I, I do not take anything that he's done so far as an example of how he will be in the future. Just as we can't do that for any player, whether they will be a bust at some point or whether they'll be a star at some point. It took Cesar Hernandez quite a while for him to be a really good player. 
and, you know, we thought Dominic Brown would be great, and it didn't turn out that way. But he even had moments where we all thought, oh, my goodness, this is, this is someone that we really believe in. And he started out really well in the major leagues. J.P. Crawford has not had the best statistical start. On the field, he's had some errors. He's made some tough plays that haven't worked out. I think it'll all turn around for him. In fact, I think he's actually turned it around to some extent. Since April 10th, J.P. Crawford is hitting 268, 333, 488, which are very respectable numbers. Two home runs, three doubles, 13, excuse me, 11 strikeouts to three walks in those 46 plate appearances. Those are fine numbers. And if you're getting that from your bottom of the order hitting shortstop, it's not a problem at all. He was actually getting more comfortable when he got hurt with the forearm strain. Uh, Gabe Kapler, I think, was quoted as saying that it might do him some good just to be resting for a little bit. And that might actually help a lot. He might be able to sit back, watch the team, go on the road with them, just get comfortable with the lifestyle, and then come back and be ready to go and be a little bit more knowledgeable about the game. I'm not worried about J.P. Crawford. You should not be worried about J.P. Crawford. Meanwhile, Jesmel Valentin, as I said, gets the call up. He did strike out his first major league appearance. His stats going into this year with the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, 242, 373, 371. You're not getting extra base hits from him, although he had a couple. Three doubles, one triple, one home run. 11 strikeouts to 11 walks. You hope that that translates in the major leagues with some on base. We'll see. But Valentin is up. Congratulations to him. He gets his first shot. I really hope that Roman Quinn gets a shot soon as I transition over to the minor leagues, and we'll do a quick report here. Roman Quinn has been very good with the Iron Pigs this season. 66 at-bats for him. He's hitting 318, 384, 439 with a home run, a double, and two triples. He has 21 hits and 66 at-bats. 13 strikeouts to 7 walks, which is very respectable. And best of all, 9 stolen bases. He's been caught once. Roman Quinn is ready to go in the major leagues. I hope he gets his opportunity. We'll see how it shakes out in the outfield. I gotta imagine the Phillies would have to have an injury for Roman to actually come up and do some damage. A little surprised that it wasn't Roman who was called up instead of Jesmel Valentin, but I can understand that the Phillies want infield flexibility still. So we'll see what happens with Roman, but he'd better get his shot sooner than later. The guy is producing, he's staying healthy, and he's running well. I hope he gets his shot pretty soon. Also, Tom Eshelman, we'll see how he's doing. Still not well. 20 innings with the Iron Pigs, 7.08 ERA. The command numbers are still good. 22 strikeouts to 7 walks. Maybe a few too many walks, I guess, but not a big deal. Eniel De Los Santos has 19 innings under his belt, a 1-4-0 ERA, 25 strikeouts and 6 walks. Eniel De Los Santos, who was acquired in the Freddie Galvis trade, has been quite good. Over in Reading, not a ton to report, but I will shed some light on Jan Hernandez, third baseman. He's hitting 340, 362, 396. A lot of hits there, 18 of them in 53 at-bats. He has 13 strikeouts to 3 walks. So, decent start for him, but he's kind of a high-contact guy to begin with. Court Sandberg is hitting 320, 346, 480 with uh, four runs batted in this year uh, and only 25 at-bats, so don't think that that's a big deal. It's not. I'm just reading some numbers, basically. And with the Reading Phils in the pitching category, Harold Arales is pitching pretty well for them. 386 ERA in 21 innings. He has 21 strikeouts and six walks. Good start for him. Jojo Romero still struggling to start the year in 20 innings, a 7.20 ERA, and 13 strikeouts to 10 walks. It's not great, but hopefully it gets better for him. In Clearwater, yeah, Mickey Moniak is still not having a good start to his season here. 89 at-bats. He's hitting 213, 228, 253, 258, I should say, with just four doubles. Those are the only extra base hits he has. 22 strikeouts and two walks. 
You really hope he turns it around. It's not looking good to start the year for him, but still plenty of time for Mickey to turn it around in so many ways. Adam Hazley is starting to turn it around offensively there in Clearwater, hitting 280, 295, 376. He needs to get on base more. He's striking out a little too much. 16 to two walks, Ugh. six doubles on the year and a home run. So Adam is getting it going on the bat. Hopefully it uh, translates to better plate appearances as the season moves onward. And pitching-wise, Sixto Sanchez, how is Sixto doing? He had his last start a couple days ago. He pitched well into the game, did not strike out too many hitters. However, he has 17 innings under his belt, 3.71 ERA, which is starting to normalize there, but only 13 strikeouts to six walks. So hopefully those strikeout numbers go up. That's what you really want to see happen with Sixto Sanchez. And Adonis Medina in 14 and two-thirds innings has a 7.98 ERA, 10 strikeouts, eight walks. Not great so far for Adonis Medina. In Lakewood, Simone Muziati is uh, hitting pretty well in 46 at-bats. He hits a 304, 319, 391 line with four doubles on the year, eight strikeouts to one walk. Also, Josh Steven is a very interesting name to remember. He's an outfielder in 59 at-bats. He has a 237 average, but a 328 on base percentage and a 424 slug. He has 16 strikeouts and eight walks on the year. So he's actually doing quite well getting on base. Colby Fitch is another interesting name, 238, 319, 476. He has two home runs on the year, two doubles and a triple, 11 strikeouts to four walks. Pitching over in Lakewood, not much to remember at the moment, but Will Stewart is interesting. He's got 22 innings pitched, 205 ERA, 19 strikeouts to a walk. Good numbers for Will Stewart. Hope to see Roman Quinn soon. He's playing really well. It'd be nice to see him in the majors, but the room has to happen. So we'll see what happens as the year goes on. Like I said, injury will probably be the way that he gets in. I can't see them demoting a Nick Williams for playing poorly. I think they need to give Nick every shot to produce at the major league level. The problem, of course, he's not getting everyday number, everyday time out there, I should say. So maybe he'll, uh, maybe the Phillies will find some way with Crawford out and King probably playing shortstop every day to maybe get him a little bit more time in the outfield. We'll see what happens. Nonetheless, an interesting start to the Philly season. The Marlins this week, the Nationals over the weekend. Let's shoot for 4-2. and two. I would love to see a 4-2. and two. It doesn't matter how they get it. If they sweep the Marlins and go 1-3 of three against the Nationals, that's fine. I would love to see 2-1-2-1. Two, one, two, one. We'll see what happens there. But hopefully a positive week for the Phillies coming up as they play some average competition, I guess, at best. Until then, next week we'll have a full podcast this has been the Phillies podcast minicast for Monday. I am Tim Malcolm. We will see you next time.